All right, well, good evening, friends. You have your Bibles. <clears throat> Go ahead and turn them to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. The end of it, I'm sorry, verse 46. We'll look at that. Just a little bit of there. While you turn there, um, I don't know who it was, but uh, someone left a note for me at the uh, security booth, and uh, thank you. It blessed me and praise God that he, he's doing a great work in your life, um, so thank you for sharing that. Again, no name on it. I just wanted to publicly say thank you for taking the time to write that out. Um, I was hugely encouraged and thankful. The grace of God is working, and God's doing great things. So before we jump in, let's pray. We'll get into, we'll get into this topic. <clears throat> Father, thank you for another evening to be together, to sing to you, to worship you, to come now before you opening your word, placing ourselves under the authority of your scriptures, God desiring to hear from you. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take your word and that you would penetrate our hearts, God, especially those who are hardened to you. And God, as we look at a tough topic, God, please help me to move from a place of shepherd and pastor and not just truth teller. God, I pray that you would help me to be bold enough to tell the truth and loving enough to do the same. And I pray that all of us would be humble enough to receive, that we would be honest with where we are and walking with you. And So God, I pray that you would take this feeble attempt at making much of you and explaining your truth and do a miraculous thing in spite of me. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, Amen. Amen. Friends, you see this, uh, this pattern with Nebuchadnezzar. Like he has this amazing experience and he says, oh, I'm just going to change things. Or does he really say that? Like look at the end of chapter 2. Verse 46, remember he has this dream and he says, he gives this rule. He said, you need to tell me what the dream was and its interpretation. And if you don't, then I'm just going to kill you all. So it's like, we, I, like, I know in the movie, it's like, oh, I love that guy. You kind of have the, this little heart thing for Nebuchadnezzar, huh? But he's kind of a psychopath. Like, in reality, he's not this guy that you're really going to be friends with. So can you imagine trying to actually come up with somebody else's dream? Guys, I have a, I have a hard enough time just trying to explain my own if I remember them. I mean, have you ever just had this dream that's just out of there? Like you just go to sleep and like you're somehow you're in a meadow and then all of a sudden you're surfing a mountain, which doesn't make any sense while you're having pizza. Like it doesn't make sense. And then you're swallowed by a donut. Like all these things that come together and you're like, what the heck was that? And so can you imagine someone saying, I will know if you really hear from the Lord, if you can tell me what, what my dream was last night and then what it means. And so when Daniel comes through, listen to what Nebuchadnezzar says, and it's easy for us to jump to this conclusion. Oh, he's changed. Ah, look at it. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel. Did you see it? He paid homage to Daniel. He paid homage to Daniel. He didn't pay homage to God. He said, I, he, it says that he paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him, up to Daniel. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Guys, is that a change? I mean, what he said about Daniel's God, that's true. There's truth in that. And I guess I need to ask for some of you, is that kind of the experience that you've had? If I, if I was to ask you, hey, like when did you surrender your life to Christ? I mean, you really made that decision. You understood the weight of your sin and the beauty of the grace of God. 
somehow comprehending this power that comes in the gospel. Will you surrender your life to Jesus, receive his gift of salvation, exchange your sin, he gives you righteousness? Or was it just, I had this experience at camp or in, in my room or with friends or at church or I had an experience and then nothing's really changed, but I knew because I felt something. Guys, the danger with feelings is they're not always reliable. So Daniel, or not, not Daniel, but Nebuchadnezzar has this experience and he's paying homage to Daniel and he's giving credit to his God, but never makes the change. It's called repentance. Guys, do you understand what repentance is? I don't remember if I said it the first night or not. I can't remember what I said where, but repentance, and I feel like it's a word that's not really talked about all that often, or at least as much as it used to be. Guys, you realize repentance is a requirement to enter into a relationship with God. Like, it's not an optional thing that you can think about afterwards. It's, it's necessary. So repentance is this. I go one direction. In order for me to repent, I turn away from something and go toward something else. Does that make sense? So it's not like, I'm, it's not like I'm, I keep going this direction or I, I play zone defense where I can, I can still see him, but I can still see this. It's 180 degrees away from sin and to Jesus. And how often should you repent? And for some you say, just that one time. Guys, repentance should happen daily, not for salvation. Salvation is that one time you surrender your life to Christ and God deems you as justified, as if you've never sinned. That's one time. The followers of Jesus, and I'm going to ask you to be honest on this one, by a show of hands. Followers of Jesus, how many of you still struggle with temptation and with sin? Now look around so you don't feel like you're the only one. Because here's the enemy. Guys, I'm trying this new thing. I'm trying this thing where if I'm sitting down somewhere, not to automatically pull this thing out. If, I, if I'm eating by myself, don't pull this out. Just look around. Guys, do, do me a favor. Try that. Don't take it out. Just look around. You could be, we could be in a, a crowd, a sea of people, and be completely isolated from each other. I mean, we're living our own lives, looking at our own screens, almost oblivious to what's going on around us. Why? Guys, I think a ploy of the enemy is to isolate us from one another because he knows that God created us for community. So if he can do that, isolate, isolate, then he can pick us off one by one. Guys, repentance is God's gift. It's not a shame thing, it's a gift. When, I, when a thought pops in my head, I know it's not pleasing to God. I don't sit there and go, I can't talk to him. I just say, God, you know my heart. Man, I can't do anything without you. I'm so sorry. I repent from that. Would you change my mind, change my thoughts? Guys, I'm having that conversation with God all the time. And it's beautiful. And there's healing in it. And to agree with God that it's sin. But what do we repent from? Sin. Friends, tonight's a heavier topic. And I don't deny it. And I won't apologize for it. Because the gospel doesn't make sense if you don't tell the whole story. Guys, I believe the gospel is from cover to cover. I think it's the whole book. I think this is the whole good news. But if I leave parts out, like you need a savior, you say, what do I need to be saved from? If I don't mention sin, then it doesn't make any sense. So if the Bible says, hey, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We equate sin with, I've made a mistake. Yeah, I've made some mistakes. No, 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 sin isn't, I've made some mistakes. Sin is active rebellion against the holy God. To declare yourself as an enemy of the cross, it's sin. And guys, it's not like, hey, I became a sinner when I sinned. No. Guys, I was conceived into it. It's been passed down from person to person to person to person ever since Adam. To help us kind of understand this, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. Give your Bibles. We're going to be in there for a little bit. Genesis chapter 3. 
few pages into the Bible. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, stop there for just a second. Guys, do you realize that the ploy of the enemy has not changed at all? It's exactly the same. This is what he does. He looks at you and says, did God actually say that? I mean, are you telling me that God said you're not allowed to? And that you're supposed to? It's almost like, does he not get, does he not get where the culture's gone? And how much, quote unquote, smarter we've become? Guys, that's a little bit arrogant, don't you think? We think that because we're further along and we have more technology, that we're automatically smarter than those who are behind us. Guys, that's not true. But we kind of buy into it. Hey, the culture's changed. Why can't you Christians just catch up? So actually, look at us. Maybe this thought will pop in your head. You'll look at something going, gosh, it doesn't fit with how things work today. But i got to be honest. When I look at the world, I don't think it's working. I just don't see it. Did God actually say? Did he really say it? Does it really say that? I mean, isn't that just outdated? Guys, the ploy hasn't changed because the enemy's really good at his job. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Here's the thing. When she said it, but God did say. And she got the first part right. But she added a little something. She said, but God also said, don't touch it or don't even touch it or you're going to die. Guys, there's no place in one or two that God said don't touch it. Guys, we need to be careful when we attribute something that we think, even if it's a guardrail we add to our own life, to make sure that we stay away from the things that God doesn't want us to go to. Make sure that that personal thing is personal. Unless God has explicitly said it, don't then take God's name in vain and attach it to what it is that you wish everyone would do because you're doing it. Does that make sense? God never said that. And yet she said, but God said, it. don't touch it. That is why, guys, I am so slow, so slow, very, very rarely do I ever say, God wants me to tell you. Very rarely. And if it's a preference that I don't find in the scriptures, hey, maybe that's something that God gave for me. I mean, guys, think about it. Like, I've brought up social media before, and I gave it up. I'm not saying that everybody has to. I mean, it's, it, it's just something that I knew I needed to do. But for me to then go, God said, thou shalt not TikTok. Thou shalt not YouTube short. Thou shalt not. Guys, that's something that God put on my heart. Now, do I think that there's wisdom that I can convey and say, guys, I've seen this benefit in my life? Absolutely. If all of a sudden it becomes an idol, where all of a sudden your whole focus is in there, and I find the principles in the scriptures, and I can then say, hey, what you're looking at, this isn't something that God approves of. If I find the passage and say, hey, I need you to explain to me how it is that this addiction is okay. I'm not addicted, it's necessary. There's so many things you can learn on there. Really? Because usually what I see, it's like a four-second flip. That's what I feel. I feel like I'm seeing y'all do flip, flip, flip. Or have you ever had your pocket vibrate? And you're like, I got to get my phone, and it wasn't there. You ever have that happen? It's like, oh, I got a note. Wait, I don't have it. Guys, that might be there's a problem. That might mean it's like, oh, my body just expects it. Guys, I don't want to be mastered by anything. Guys, just many, it's been like eight years now, I guess, eight or nine years. And somebody said, they go, there's nothing wrong with it. Guys, when I was a, when I was a youth pastor, I, I ate like the youth. As you get older, that's not good. I mean, it tastes awesome, but it's not good. 
I just kept eating like them. Every, and they always picked the cheap place because that's where they could afford, but I'm pretty sure that that wasn't real food. And so you just go. But every day, friends, every day, even when I wasn't with them, I would drink three to four 44 ounces of soda every day. Every day. Every day. And I would use this. Well, I, I need this one before breakfast because I got to wake up. We would never say that. Never, right? Coffee. Never say that. But every day, friends, I remember when I was 30, I went to see my doctor, and maybe for some of you, he's like, I don't understand the numbers. Guys, when he looked at me, he said, I, dude, your triglycerides are off the site. You're pre-diabetic. Your triglycerides are over 700. And I went, oh, I don't even know what that means, but that doesn't sound good. I haven't had a soda since. He's like, but soda's not sin. It's true, but for me, it was something that, it was something that, I was bound, that bound me. I was in bondage to it. And I don't want to be in bondage to anything. I don't want anything to master me except Jesus. So all of a sudden, he sits, he sits and goes, she says, hey, we're not even supposed to touch it. God said, he didn't say, but I think it's fine to put guardrails up so you don't even do the things, not even get close to the things that God wants you to get close to. He goes on, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He's so good. What was the temptation? Say it again. Who said it? To eat the fruit. But for what purpose? So you can be like God. Guys, think about it. You get to be in charge. But isn't there one other thing? There was one other thing that he was making her question. Listen, to what, look at what he says again. Look, look, look. You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, God is holding out on you. He's holding out on you. Like it's not just, hey, you get to be your own boss and you get to be your own God and you'll know good and evil. No, no, no. He's holding out on you. In other words, he's the liar. I tell the truth. I'll tell you the thing that God won't because I'll tell you the truth. But what is Jesus called the devil? He's the father of lies. Like when he lies, it's his native tongue. Verse six. So when the woman saw that the, the tree was, here's justification number one, good for food. Justification number two, that it was a delight to the eyes. Number three, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Guys, she gave up, she came up with three reasons. Like, God says one thing, just don't do it. You're like, but if I think of some reasons as to why it's a good idea, I can do it. God's, think about it. God says don't, and we're like, but what about, because it's, it's kind of like we forget to grow up. What if, but what if, what if? She's like, ah, oh, it's good for food. So it takes care of the desire of my flesh. It looks good, desire of my eyes. Makes one wise, it's the, boast, it's the boast of pride. It's talked about in 1 John chapter 2. Guys, his thing is the exact same. His temptations are always the same thing. So she took, she ate, and then she gave some to her husband who was with her. Guys, I gotta be honest. I look at that and go, Adam, what were you doing? It's so easy to judge from this perspective. I'm pretty sure that I would have fallen then too. But when you look at it going, Adam, think about it. God told you, I want you to work the ground. I want you to keep all of creation. That word keep in Genesis chapter two is to protect. Protect creation. Here is the serpent speaking to your wife, step in. Step in. Protect Ladies, you are the pinnacle of God's creation. The pinnacle, the top. And at that moment, Adam's just standing there. And I wonder how often I just stood there, unwilling to protect, unwilling to step in. He was with her. I was, 
For the longest time, I always thought that Adam was like away, like in a hut, like Gilligan, like way over there. And she's over here having a chat with a serpent. And then she goes back and gives it to him. And then he eats. He's right there. Now watch the next part. And it's kind of awkward. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. That's weird. Like you have no clue before. Just running around, butt naked. But there's no such thing as naked. You just, it's just you. Here's one of the things I need to look at Adam and Eve one day. If I get to see them face to face and go, you know what? You know what you caused us? Laundry. <laughs> I'm like, Adam, he's like, I know, I know. And then he pulls out a big old bag of quarters. I owe each of you all of these quarters to do laundry. Guys, to just look at the car, are you kidding me? Guys, what is, I mean, they had no clue before that, just living life. Guys, things were good before the fall. How do I know? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it says this. And God said everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. I looked at that word good, and here's what it means. We think, oh, it's not the best, it's good. No, no, no. Here's what is, here's what fills up this word in the Hebrew. You ready? That word good means this. Good, merry, pleasant, desirable, in order, usable, efficient, friendly, kind, morally good, excellent, happy, and right. So when it says that God created, it was very good, it was that kind of good. And in three chapters, we broke it. Guys, you ever broken something that belonged to somebody else? And then had to tell them? Guys, I still remember when I was like five. I remember I was, in, I was at uh, my aunt and uncle's house. And uh, I was in line. We were in line for food. I don't know how I got in the back. I was like, why are the kids going behind the, the, big, the big guys? I don't understand that. So I'm just standing there, and they have this plate. And no one's, I mean, my brother's in front, and he's ready to go, but I'm just bored. And so I, thought, I looked at the plate, and I'm like, I could flip this. <laughs> so I just flipped it half. I'm like, bad. Oh. I was like, and I felt like I was in the Olympics. Like around him going, yes, thank you. <laughs> Get it again. Ah, I just had this, I had just people cheering in my head, which is really kind of telling of myself. <laughs> so I could do it a whole, I said I did it all the way, a whole, like one all the way around. Bam, got it. Ah. I'm like, what about a one and a halfer? This is it. This is for the gold. And then that noise. You know, you're in a restaurant and like, like a server drops a bunch of plates. Something better than that, but I tried. And then we're so gracious as we applaud. We're like stuffing our faces with nachos. We're like, ha yeah, great job. That's grace. Anyway, back to it. So I dropped the plate. That noise goes through the kitchen. And in my head, I'm like, the whole neighborhood heard it. And I took off running. I did. I just ran. I remember I ran down the hall and my, I don't know why. I was going to go left because that's where the front door was and I was going to run to Mexico. <laughs> I was in Brea. I was going to run to Mexico. But I banked right. I, mean, I still remember the layout of their house. Banked right, another right, left, left. Then right, I jumped into the massive shower and shut the door. Because in my mind, that's where you go. So I'm sitting, I'm just freaking out. I'm sitting on the little stoop. Then I hear footsteps. Guys, <laughs> remember when you, or maybe it still happened, you're running, and then all of a sudden you have to quiet your breath, like you're hiding. And so <laughs> I'm still there trying to catch my breath, and I hear footsteps, I'm like, <sighs> I'm almost hyperventilating, I'm five. I dropped a plate, but in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Aunt's gonna, Aunt Deb's going to kill me. So then all of a sudden, she comes around the corner, starts to open the shower. I'm like, Ugh. and she tries to keep shutting it. I'm like, I'm taking a shower. 
fully clothed, no water running. <laughs> so she finally opens it. She goes, Brian, what are you doing in here? <laughs> I think I said something like this. I said, <laughs> I think those are the words. <laughs> and she got what I meant by what I sounded like. And she, she said that, she goes, Brian, it's not a big deal. It's like a $2 plate. <laughs> I remember I looked at it and I was like, why am I in the shower? <laughs> She's like, I don't know. Come on out. She says, are you hungry? I was like, yeah, I'm hungry because I was in line for macaroni and cheese. <laughs> From the blue box. Like that was all in. So I get out there and she handed me a paper plate. And I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> You don't trust me. <laughs> I, br I broke a plate and I couldn't even confront her and it was a $2 plate. Guys, what would it be like that God hands you the world and then you have to go, I broke it. <laughs> I broke the whole thing by doing one thing. Think about it. Guys, they had the whole garden. I honestly think they had the garden and the rest of it. They had it all. And the one thing he said don't. And this is where some say, why do you make the tree? Guys, he made a lot of trees. I don't think this one's over here glowing with glitter going, come to me, come to me, come to me. <laughs> I think he just picked one. Isn't it weird? We'll blame God when we make the bad choice, but we're mad if we don't get to choose. Like for some of you, you make a horrible choice and then you blame everybody else, which is exactly what they do here. Think about it. Everything's fine. And then it says, and then they realize that they were naked. So they're just sitting there going, ah, oh, okay. Gosh, what the, what the? That's the most awkward realization in the history of the world. And then look how they try to fix it. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Yes. They, they reverted to five-year-olds. We got to make, make something. We'll call them clothes. Let's get some leaves. Guys, I'll be honest. Leaves dry out. Thank you. That has got to be uncomfortable after a while. That's the worst fruit of loom ever. I'm just joking. Okay, but that's like horrible. So it's like, oh, think about it. We sin, we're going to cover it up to make it look like we didn't because we're afraid that God will find out. So we'll just take another thing that doesn't make any sense and keep covering ourselves with that rather than deal with it. We sin, and how often do we take another sin to try to cover that sin? And it just keeps going one after another after another or run in shame. Because now watch their next response. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Friends, this is the first experience of shame. Guys, I doubt this is the first time that God would walk in the garden in the cool of the day. Because think about it. When they heard the footsteps, they took off because they knew it was him. Guys, can you imagine... Can you imagine a life without shame? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if I use the word regret, well, no, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. If I use that word regret, don't say what it was. If I say, do you have a regret? Can you think of that one thing that you wish you could take back that just really impacted your life in a majorly bad way? Like it's impacted you. Anybody? Like Regret. And then doesn't it remind you over and over? It's like it just keeps coming back. It's like, I wish I'd never had. And then when that happens, we're tempted to push away from God rather than just run to God. And when he comes to, guys, look at it. God came to them. Guys, you read the scriptures, it's always God coming to us. Why? Because we don't go to him. No one is seeking after God according to Romans chapter 3. So God comes for us. He initiates relationships. We don't. I did not find Jesus. He found me. Completely different. You get to verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man. Notice he starts with Adam. 
He doesn't pull them together first. Doesn't say, hey, called the man and the woman, come together, both of you answer. No, no, he calls Adam first. Oh, dang. Here's the asks. He says, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I, because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Oh, dang. <laughs> oh, guys, doesn't the next time you get stomachs turn a little bit? You ever said something trying to pull something over your parents and you said something a little too far and all of a sudden you see this look like they go, wait. And then they're like, <laughs> and then they start to ask the question, guys, <laughs> okay, I've got time. Um, in high school, actually middle school and high school, my brother and I had one chore, which was to clean the whole house. <laughs> that was a chore. So when, so when I hear someone go, my mom and dad want me to pick up my socks, shut up. Okay, so <laughs> pick up your, you didn't even pay for them. Okay, so I had, to, I, had to, uh, I had to clean the mirrors and I had to clean the bathrooms and vacuum. That was my job. My brother, I don't know what he did. He did the other stuff. So I remember I hated vacuuming because in my day, the vacuum, guys, today, those robot ones, I get mesmerized. Like, I'll hit start, and I'm like, where's it going to go? Where is it going? <laughs> Just sitting here with my water bottle. This is great. This, guys, I have no life. <laughs> but then, it was this huge monster. So I remember, it was in, for some reason, it was in my closet. I'd have to, it's like I pull it out every week, drop it, get a hernia. <laughs> I hated this thing. There was one day I was like, I don't, I don't want to vacuum, but I got to make it look like I did. Guys, this, <laughs> this is who you're entrusting yourself to listen to teach you from the Bible. Watch. It's like, I got to make the tracks, but I don't want to vacuum. Ah, I just won't plug it in. And I'll just go make the tracks through the house, put it away, like... I didn't vacuum. The only problem is, what did I do? I just vacuumed. I just didn't plug it in. I'm like, I gotta wait. I'm like a genius. <laughs> Guys, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, did, I, did the, I did the exact same work as if I plugged it in. But I'm like, I'm not vacuuming today. I am rebelling. <laughs> Mom comes home. And she's like, guys, the house looks great. I'm like, I'm getting away with this. And all of a sudden, she goes to the house. She goes, Brian, come here real quick. And she didn't make it sound like, Brian, that, that would make me freak out. Brian, come here. So I come running. Hey, you vacuumed today? Yep. I made the tracks. You see it? And she gets to this place where the tracks went over something that the vacuum should have picked up. And they're kind of all over. She goes, did you plug it in? I want to run into a shower. <laughs> I said, no. She goes, I just want to ask you a question. I'm like, I don't like your question. <laughs> Do you realize that you just did the same work without plugging it in, and now you're in trouble? I do now. <laughs> Guys, I knew in that moment when she's like, what about what? It's like, oh, no. I think that's what Adam felt like when God said, who told you you were naked? Oh. <clears throat> who told you you were naked? Now, what, what verse? Um, middle of verse 11. Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And here comes the valiant husband. <clears throat> the woman! <laughs> Gentlemen, wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to get a little bit blunt here on you gentlemen for just a second. For one thing, high school guys, middle schoolers did that same thing last week. Second, if, if you, how do I say this as lovingly as I can? If you laughed at that or clapped at that, one day you will become a man. But it's not right now.
Was that too much? Guys, think about it. This is what he does. God calls him out. The woman that you gave to be with me, he actually, he blames two. Blames the woman and blames God. The woman you gave, I didn't pick her. I didn't ask, but when all of a sudden you gave me to, or gave her to me, oh, I was interested, but this wasn't my fault. You did it. We would never say something like that. Hey, it's not my fault if I think like this or feel like this. Not my fault. It's your fault. Don't we do the same thing? We blame God because we broke it. We blame him. So then he looks at Eve and said, Eve, what did you do? The devil, devil made me do it. You notice he doesn't ask the devil, what did you do? There's no conversation between God and the devil. Then all of a sudden, God curses the serpent because he told him this is what was going to come. And then God curses the woman and then God curses the man. Guys, sin is rebellion against God, and sin cannot be in the presence of God. And we could sit there and go, you know what, it's one mistake. Guys, it's weird. Like, we'll always try to justify why we can continue to make little mistakes rather than enter into the life of freedom that Jesus actually wants us to experience. It's kind of like this. You ever been to a, a one-year-old birthday party and asked yourself why? Because the one-year-old birthday party is not for the one-year-old, is it? It's for who? It's most, and it's for the parents, and it's mostly for mom. Okay, so bring the one-year-old, and they get a whole brand-new outfit, and they have no clue why. They're like happy in a diaper. New outfit, new shoes. They're all decked out, people showing up. Everyone's like, you're so cute, bringing all these boxes. And it, the kid has no clue what's going on. Just people showed up, and there's stuff there. And then all of a sudden, it's time for that one experience that that kid has never experienced before. Cake. Right? The kid is fully clothed, and in about half a second, he's half naked. Wearing a diaper, in a high chair, cameras all around. Guys, that's a nightmare. No one has ever... Guys, I, no one looks at an adult and go, time for cake. Get half naked. Everyone take out a pic. Take out your camera. Nobody. So one-year-old sits in a high chair. They bring out the cake. Dad's videotaping because mom has said, videotape, I'll take pictures or backwards. Which one do you want? So they work, they work that whole thing out. Everyone's sitting there going, you're so cute. Click, 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 click. Taking pictures, 75,000 pictures of the same kid looking like this. Because all they do is place it in front and then they back away. It's almost like a bomb. So what's the kid do? Starts to touch it, and then all of a sudden it sticks to his finger, and everything goes in the mouth of a kid, right? And he tastes it, and his eyes go boop. <laughs> Keeps going. All of a sudden it's all his hand. Everyone's like, this is so cute. Guys, if we have mashed potatoes tomorrow and I come down and eat in front of you and go, I just love mashed potatoes, I doubt you're going to go, that is so cute. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. <laughs> and all of a sudden, <laughs> and then you have these kids that are like, God, God, they're in it. And then they just go, bam, and they just lay down. <laughs> they go for it. But then it's time for the presents. So you put the gift in front of them. They don't know what to do with it, so someone starts, and they just start tearing the paper, and then it gets moved. And then they just keep doing that. Guys, I'm convinced you can just take a box with paper on it, and they're like, yes. <laughs> Friends, if I took a, if I took a $100 bill and a, and a can of soup and put them in front of this kid, I just put it right there in front of him. He's on the ground. I put a can of soup and a $100 bill. What do you think he'll go for? Can of soup, right? You can pound that sucker. You can roll it. You can throw it at mom. She freaks out. It's like, this is fun. This is paper. It's like, look at it, crumple it up, and you're sitting there going, no, no, don't tear it. Don't tear it. <laughs> Guys, I understand the value of a $100 bill. I might push that little guy out of the way for that $100 bill. <laughs> Guys, 
My fear is that for some of you, you've settled for a can of soup. But God wants to give you so much more. And that can of soup is sin. You just stay in it, you just play in it, and all the while, it's destroying you. You say, well, it's just one little thing. Friends, if I lied to one of you, I mean, there's not a lot of repercussions that come from it. You may say, I don't like you. Okay. But if I lied to a Supreme Court justice, the punishment is much more severe because of the authority of the position. And so then when it comes to God who has all authority, it doesn't matter what the one thing is, whether in our minds it's small or big, it's based upon who he is. But here's the thing. Guys, until you can grasp, until we can grasp that we are sinners, all, all of us, Guys, I believe that the scriptures, they teach the most amazing worldview that you could ever have. That if we would apply the principles and the commandments, the teachings of the scriptures, life would be completely different. Guys, if I just applied don't steal and everyone obeyed the one thing, that one obedience to that one commandment would change so much. Guys, we are, we are sinners, and we can't save ourselves. And it all started here in Genesis chapter 3, but here's the thing. In the same chapter that we broke it, it's in that same chapter where God said, this is how I'm going to fix it. There's a lot of times we'll just jump into where he looks at the man and says, okay, you're going to bruise his head, or there's, well, there's one that's coming, he'll bruise his head, bruise the heel, that whole thing. And I get that, that's in the passage, but one of my favorite verses is actually verse 21. It says this, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. That's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, and here's why. Guys, how do you get skin from an animal? What do you have to do to that animal? You have to kill it, right? You have to kill that animal. So think about it. Because two people sinned, you take that which was innocent and you kill it. There's the shedding of blood, and then you take the skin from the animal, and you cover their nakedness or their shame. Do you see the story of Jesus? In the same chapter that we broke it, it's the same chapter that God says, I will fix it. Why? Because that's what every good dad does. But friends, we have to let the weight of sin, man, it's almost like just bring us down, just weigh down on our souls for a little bit. We realize there's nothing I could do to save myself. I did not seek after God. He came for me. I can't find him. Why? Guys, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn there, go to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm sorry, chapter 2. This is where we start to land the plane a little bit. Ephesians chapter 2. You guys are doing a good job. Hang in there. With, hang with me for just a little bit longer. Chapter 2, verse 1. says this, And you were dead. In the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Now realize that Paul is, he's writing this letter to a bunch of Christians. So followers of Jesus, understand this. That before you came to Christ, you were dead. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. I'll use me. Before I came to Christ, I was dead in my sins. Doing the same thing that everyone else is doing. Guys, dead things don't speak. Dead things don't seek after anything. Dead things don't look for anything. Dead things are dead. In other words, it's hopeless. In and of myself, it's hopeless. In which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and here's the verse, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That's hard. Guys, I've never received that verse in a Christmas card. Guys, that's a hard teaching. By nature, by my own sinful nature, I was, an, I was an object of the wrath of God. 
And here's the thing. I deserve it. I deserve it. And so do you. For those of you without Christ, this is like, ah, this is why you just tell me that God just wants to throw out wrath. Guys, think about it. Think about what you just said. God just wants to. God just wants to. Guys, if that's all that he wanted to do, he could have ended the story in chapter 4 of Genesis. But it's in chapter 3 that he actually says, this is how I'm going to fix it. Guys, it's mind-blowing God's desire is that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. Guys, if he didn't want us, he wouldn't have come for us. The Bible says that while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. While we were in hatred toward him, hated him, he came and died for us. And then Paul's like, who does that? I mean, you might die for a good person, but a person that hates you, who does that? Jesus. Jesus does that. He's, somebody said, oh, I would do it. Guys, we get mad at each other because you, you see something, post something negative on, your, on social media, you get some text that just set, sets you off, you're like, I want to kill that person. Because over a word, guys, we're sinful to the core. But I don't want to leave you just like there. I want, you to, I want you to look at the, verse, the, the first two words of verse 4 in Ephesians chapter 2. At least they're the first two in my translation. What are the first two words in your translation? Anybody want to tell me? Who said it over here real loud? But God. But God. Guys, this is what I am. Before Jesus, I'm by nature an object of God's wrath. Here it is. Here's grace. But God. Two words. Two words. Friends, why is it necessary for us to look at this topic? Because I think that there's something very, really dangerous happening. And this isn't, a, this isn't like me just, I know I got it right and everyone else has got it wrong, but I've heard it enough where I'll hear a gospel message, something like this, hey, God loves you, has a plan for your life. And that's true. But if I say that, hey, Jesus he came to save you, but I don't explain what he saved you from. Then does it make any sense? I remember years and years ago when I was a youth pastor, uh, churches got together and we put on this huge skate outreach. Closed down the main street of our little downtown area. And there had been a few thousand kids that came out. And they brought in pro skaters. I didn't know them because I didn't skate. I don't know if you can tell. I'm not a skater. So I'd, I just showed up just to kind of help. And I remember they bring in this kid. And, and he's super well known. And they asked him to share the gospel, and I remember they gave him the mic, and this, is what, this was his message of the gospel. His gospel is this, hey, before Christ, I did anything I ever wanted to do. Man, I just lived the party scene, it was crazy. And then I gave my life to Christ, and since then, he's given me everything I ever wanted. Who wants Jesus? All these hands went up, and I'm sitting there going, he didn't explain the gospel. It's like all of a sudden God just became like this person who just gives all this stuff out, but you didn't tell him anything about the gospel. Yes, God does change our life, but you made it sound like there's not anything really wrong. I just gave my life to Jesus and he gave me everything I ever wanted. And friends, I just got to be honest, that's not what the Bible teaches. You know why God doesn't give me everything I want? is because he loves me. He doesn't give me everything I want. He gives me everything I, say it, need. The thing is, we're so driven by our wants. You ever wonder why we want things so badly? It's because we have this flesh, this desire, and these things that go against the things of God for a quick fix. Why? Because we'd prefer to have the can of soup. Because it's quick and it's shiny and I can play with it. Of course, I'll get bored with it and I'll need the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And God's sitting there going, man, I want to give you life and life more abundantly. But friends, we have to accept we're sinners. But God. But God. While I was still an enemy of Jesus, Christ died for me. But God introduces us to the grace of God, but we have to sit, and what does the Bible teach about our sin? Because it just makes the grace of God that much more amazing. 
Can I pray for us? Let me pray. Father, I'm reminded, and I thank you, I want to be reminded. I'm reminded of the weight of my sin. And I thank you for grace. God, I deserve, I deserve punishment. Jesus, I deserve the cross you took. I deserve the wrath of God. God, I deserve to be separated from you for eternity. I deserve that. But God, God, thank you. And I pray that for those who know you, Jesus, that they're thinking through this, that it would actually cause us to be so grateful and thankful for grace that what you did, God, for those, they don't want you and they still are pushing against you. Holy Spirit, I pray I pray you would convict of sin. You would show them that what it is that they're entangled by is one, rebellion against you, and two, destruction for them. And then, God, may we walk out going, but God. And maybe we just sit and go, God, why would you? And you asked me the question, why do you love these two? And I said, because they're my boys. And you said, me too. God, that's grace, that's love, that's favor that I don't deserve, and you are so amazing. So God, thank you. Thanks for letting us deal with a tougher topic. But Father, I pray that there is a sense of hope as we look at those two words, but God. You didn't have to come, but you came. You didn't have to take our place, but you did. And to that, God, I say, Jesus, thank you so much. God, in the work that you're doing and the work that you'll continue to do, to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, for you alone are worthy. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone who agrees says, amen. Love you more than you know.